Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. We're going to once again end our series on rich Christians tonight. We ended it last week and it was so fun ending it. I'm going to end it again. I'm not going to say the same things, but I'm, you know, and I want to talk. This will be part 13. Part 12 is the government of God. This is part 13. And to be honest with you, I don't remember what 13 means. So do you remember what 13 is? The There you go. It probably doesn't mean anything. It means there is no hotel with the 13th floor. It's what, no. It is a significant no, it, Okay. Anyway, I want to talk about being fountains of blessing. Fountains of blessing. Um, let's read, and you can turn there if you wish, but we will project it. I'm saying project it rather than throw it up for you. The 23rd Psalm. I was reading today about how diesel is drying up around the country and prices are headed nothing but higher. And that, you know, and the global warming people are telling us that, you know, we're going to cross a threshold in five years, even though it, it we're setting record cold temperatures in Antarctica, Antarctica and Antarctica and they can't even plant corn up in Idaho because it's so cold and it's snowing still in and even Thailand and Asia is having way cooler than than below normal. But you, don't confuse these people with the facts. Their minds already made up. And they talk about food shortages on their way and everything. And I believe they're going to get here. But I know what the scripture says. And you know what? We've been training for this day. We've been training for this. This is from the New American Standard. Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall what want? Not want. Everybody say, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And you've heard me say it. Sheep will not lie down until they're full. And if the pasture is still green, that means there's abundant food still left over. He leads me beside quiet waters, literally waters of rest. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup is bare. I can't get anything for it at the grocery store. No, it says my cup what? Runneth over, overflows. And I've changed a little something here because I'm going with Kyle and Delich, two great Old Testament uh, scholars. Only prosperity and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in Yahweh's house forever. Can you say amen? amen. This is a poetic description of the love, our Father and our Savior. And the Holy Spirit, our God, has for us. Both, listen to this, both, listen to what he promises. Just think about it. He will guide us 
in the path. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. And the voice of a, shepherd, of a stranger they will not follow. And he that believes in me will go in and go out and find pasture. He will be saved. This is John chapter 10, right? His rod and his staff. His protection. And occasionally his motivation. Amen. Head anointed. What is that? That is God honoring us. God wants to honor you. He wants to honor us. I believe we're coming into the day when we're, we are going to be, according to Deuteronomy 28, we will be publicly honored. We'll be honored out in front of, of, of God and everybody. Everybody say amen. amen. And yeah, we will pass through some scary places. You know, Brother Glenn just said we went some places that we didn't plan and some places we didn't know. That's the story of my life. Yeah. Winding up places I never thought I'd get here. Amen. And preparing a table before us in the very presence of the enemy. And there's nothing the enemy can do about it. <laughs> Only prosperity, Kyle and Delich, and loving kindness will follow me. You know, when they talk about, I mean, they're even saying that we could have electric, electrical shortages because so much emphasis on climate change. And it's going, and they're saying it's going this way. And we've got all the figures to prove it's going that way. And so... We've we, we've made plans and, you know, and so we could have, again, rolling blackouts and all of this. But, you know, that not, that doesn't surprise the father. It doesn't concern the father. Everybody say amen. amen. We have to believe it if we're going to lie down in green pasture. We've got to believe him. We've got to have a faith. We have got to trust him and we've got to follow if we are going to lie down by waters of rest. Think about this for just a minute. God designed humanity to be utterly and abjectly dependent upon him for everything. I want you to think about this. How long, you know, we think, okay, I've got, you know, what is that? The rich man who says, soul, thou hast many goods laid up for many years to come. Take thine ease and everything. And the Lord says to him, you fool, this night your very soul will be required of you. And then who's going to have what you've prepared? I want you to think about this. There is no, you know, we talk about prepping and being ready. I hear people talking about all that stuff. And you know what? In many cases, it's good. To have extra and it's good to be to be prepared. But let's face it. We are dependent on a flow from his hand. Let me give you some illustrations. How long will you last without oxygen? I mean, ever since the doctor stood you on your head and applauded when you were born. With purpose. Yeah, exactly. You have been inspiring over and over and over and over and over. It is impossible for you to make the decision that you're going to take a whole bunch of oxygen in so that you, you can hold your breath for a year, a month, a week, a day. How long will you last without water? A few days, maybe. We can... Go a little bit longer without food. Everybody say amen. Yeah. But my point is, we can't make it indefinitely. Think about, we're seeing it out west. Without rain, the greatest, deepest, and most magnificent of lakes dries up. They dry up. 
Just as the crops need the rains of heaven to grow properly. You and I require a continual flow of blessing from the Father's hand. That is true for everybody, evil and good. We are utterly dependent on God. And anytime we think we've got it knocked, we have got our eyes off of our source. Let's, you know, let's talk about what, you know, on Sunday we're going to talk about uh, grace and judgment. I want to talk about what's going on around us right now and how it's not comfortable and how it's intensifying because that's the, you know, that's the way. And we'll give you biblical precedent for that. You'll see it. But in Matthew chapter 16, verses 19 through 24, again from the NAS, he says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break into steal, but store up for yourselves. Everybody say for yourselves. Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's the key. Where's your heart? Where is your heart? Upon what have we set our hearts? The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, I'll back up and stop right there. When it says right there that if your eye is clear, I, I think it goes back to the King James, why they translated it that way. Because the Greek word hoplotes can mean to be without fold, you know, and maybe single or singular. But it comes from the word group, which means generosity. And it's used that way throughout of ancient Greek literature. And it makes more sense in here to use it that way because it says the lamp of the, the eye is the lamp of the body. What does it mean? What I see, what's going on, how I perceive the world, how I see the future, how I see things around me, how I perceive. How many of you know if you perceive things to be a threat, you'll behave one way. If you perceive everything is all right, you'll behave another way. Yeah. If you're driving down Interstate 70, headed for Denver in May or June, and up ahead you see very dark clouds, and you see all at once you see something that looks like a tornado, and then you see a farmhouse like this, and you see Dorothy going one way, and you see the Wicked Witch of the West on her bicycle going by, you're pretty sure this is a tornado, and so you're going to pull over and stop. It changes your perception. Are you with me? All right, so he says, if your eye is, and let's just use the word generous. If your eye is generous, your entire body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, terrible rendering, because it's the word pornos, meaning evil. If your eye is evil, if you are generous in heart and you see things through the eye of a generous man or a generous woman, you're going to be looking for you're going to be looking for opportunity. You're going to be looking at things a certain way. But if your eye is evil and everyone standing there would know Proverbs 28 and 22, where it says the a man with an evil eye hastens after wealth. In fact, many English versions, that's a more literal rendering, many newer English versions say a greedy man yeah. rather than the, 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 you know. And so, you, you know, they, or, or stingy man. Money is his master. The pursuit of wealth is his driving motivation. 
That is a place of great spiritual darkness because it is idolatry. And they answered him not a word. It is idolatry. Now here's the key. We are living in an age where money has become the God of this world to people. They don't even realize it. Paul says so in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 3. I'm reading from the NIV, the 84 version of it. He says, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People who will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money. Now, I love the way he goes on to say this. Because I'm going to make a comparison here. If you've gone to church any, here any period of time. Or if you've been watching us online, maybe for a while, maybe you've heard me say this. When we go over to Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Right? And you've heard me talk about how the fruit, the word fruit is singular. And so it's funny because grammatically we've got a thing going on there where he says the fruit of singular of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so one of the things I like to do is compare the fruit of the spirit to citrus, like grapefruit. How many of you have ever eaten grapefruit? One of the and if you if you if if you are from a place where grapefruit is is cherished and loved, you know that to get the very best taste and to get away from the bitterness of it, you peel it. Then you will take up, you will take the various sections out of it and you will even peel that membrane off and eat only the fruit. If you've never done that, you've never eaten grapefruit the way God intended for you to taste it. Okay. And so what I like to do, liken is say the grapefruit is the fruit of the spirit. It's love. And then when you peel it, and you pull out those sections. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. And everyone's favorite. Self-control. Alright. So in other words. All of those things are part of love. How many of you follow me so far? Okay. Now when we come to 2 Peter. Or 2 Timothy rather. Chapter 1. And he says, mark this, there will be terrible, terrible, T-R-B-L, terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. That is the description of the last days, self-infatuated, self-reflected, self-absorbed idolater, unbeliever. Now, let's start peeling out the layers of this lover of money braggadocious proud abusive uh, disobedient to their parents that is a way of saying defiant of authority ungrateful unholy without love unforgiving slanderous Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, 
meaning they can't be trusted, rash, conceited, and that's just on social media, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having something that looks like piety, something that looks like godliness. They will even claim to be religious. They will claim to be spiritual, but they are rejecting its power. That's what the word denying there means. It means to reject its power. What is the power of God? The gospel. Paul says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So they reject the word. They reject Jesus. They reject. But they can stand up and tell you that is the whore of Babylon. That is the last day's religious delio. All right. And having a form of godliness, having something that looks like it, but did not rejecting its power. He says, have nothing to do with them. Now I want to go back to Matthew 6 again. I didn't tell our crew I was going to do this, but he says, if your eye is evil, your whole body will be uh, full of darkness. If the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Why? Why is he saying that? Because it controls you. Everything will be perceived through what's in it for me. We live in a world where where people are so are so hungry for money that they will sell out their company or they will sell out our country to the Chinese. We've seen one after another after another who've done that. And then just today, the National Institute of Health guy gets up. Well, yeah, these three hundred and fifty million dollars were the payments that went to some of the most high profile doctors, including one guy we used to see on TV. Oh time. It doesn't look good. I agree. You think? We live in the last days and we are seeing it. And those are just two examples. Matthew 6 and 22 again. The lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is generous, your whole body will be full of light. That word, trans, I, I translate the word that's translated here, clear, generous, because it's that same word over in James 1 and 5. He says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all clearly, no, generously and without reproach. And it will be given him. A generous eye is one that is constantly looking for a way to be a blessing. And not for a way to extract but a way to contribute. We are called to be blessors. We are blessed and to be blessed. In fact, when God spoke to Abraham, if you want to get it, the, the Hebrew, if you want to uh, translate it properly, he said, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you, so go be a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Man. If God knows that you are a channel, a conduit, a pipe, whatever you want to do it, you know, to help others, to minister to others. Let me tell you something that opens the that that's your faith. And that opens the door that opens the channel for his grace to flow in ever greater. And I'm telling you in the days to come and it isn't going to be that long. We going to see it. Yeah, I know right now it's heavy. Oh, my word, is it heavy. How many of you 
felt that heaviness lift tonight while we worshipped. That should be worth noting. Amen. That's people who don't go to church, well, I can, you know, no. There's something about gathering in the very presence of God together as Jesus commanded. And I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just saying. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. Look at this. The scripture's full of it. One gives freely and yet grows all the richer. This is from the English standard. One gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another one withholds what he should give and only suffers want. You know why? Because to the world, to the one whose eye is evil, to the one who's full of darkness, to the one who sees things only in what, you know, what can it do for number one, numero uno here, it's counterintuitive to think that giving away would cause us to grow. They don't see that, con they don't see that continual stream of blessing from the Lord. The very next verse, verse 25, the generous man will be prosperous. This is from the NAS. And he who waters will himself be watered. Solomon reiterates it for us just so that we get the point. We come to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Again from the NAS, Paul says this, and he's talking about the offering that they had promised, the people of Corinth had promised for the relief of the saints in Jerusalem. This isn't about tithing. This is about giving to help those who are in a, in a stress, other believers who are in a stressful situation. And he says, now this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap how? Sparingly. And you know, by the way, the Greek word that is translated sparingly here is used in, in secular Greek literature for stingy. He who is sows in a stingy fashion is going to reap the same way. He who sows bountifully and the word bountifully actually means blessing. He who sows blessing will reap blessing. That tells us something about God. Galatians 6 and 10. Well, I'm going to but he, I want to read verse 7. Each one must do just as he has purposed where? In his heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion. You know, God's so good to me and he's so good to you. I can tell by looking. Not much in my life is the way I envisioned that it would be at this stage. How many of you can say the same thing? I just got through telling you that's where my whole life has been. I never thought I'd be here. You know, and I don't, I don't mean that necessarily in a geographic sense. But I'm reminded of Jesus' parable about the man who went to his son and said, go into the vineyard and work today. And he said, I will, sir. But then he didn't. Then he went to his other son and said, go into the vineyard and work or into the field and work today. And he said, I will not. But then later he thought better of it and he actually went. And then he asked the Pharisees, which one of these did the will of the father? Now what he's doing is he's comparing their reaction to the ministry of John the Baptist and his ministry. And I understand that. But 
They said, well, the latter. And he said, the tax gatherers and the sinners are going to get into heaven ahead of you. Why? Because they repented at the preaching of John. And God in his love and his kindness and his mercy tells us that the second one, although he was defiant at first, did the will of God. Which one of them did the will of God? The second. Which one of them did the perfect will of God? The answer to that is neither. Because I don't think God wants us to argue with him. Spoken out of the lips of a man who has been some number two in many, 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 many occasions. Lord, I'm not doing that. Just forget it. I don't. Lord, why have you got me doing this? And we're going to talk about complaint. David complained. And in fact, his complaint was apparently so important that God recorded them for us and saved them. Say, if you want to complain, this is the way to do it. Because he always ended with worship. He was just telling the Lord, I'm in a, I'm in a jam down here, you know. But he always, he always came back and even Asaf would do the same thing. Lord, no matter how bad things look like, or Habakkuk, you know, even though the fields will yield no meat and there's no cattle in the stall, I will praise the Lord of my salvation. You know, we've been, say, we've been saying for years, I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see until I feel something. Yeah. And then I'm moved. I remember a preacher one time, big ministry coming in saying, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. And he said, I came into the office and I asked and he went through the accounting department, big ministry and said, what was our, what was our income last week? Cause they had just finished telling. He said, when they told me I was moved, he said, I went into my office. I locked the door. I laid down on the couch and put a coal rag on my head. <laughs> you know, he said it was bad. Obviously, God got him through it. Everybody say, Amen. God's faithful. Amen. All right. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says this So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, I have often used the illustration of the phalanx, which is where the Greek soldiers would stand so close to one another, and the Romans did it too. But, the, you know, the Greek soldiers under Alexander the Great, and in fact, previous to him, the Spartans would do it. And they would stand so close to each other, and they would hold their shields up like this. And my shield would cover most of me or all of me and a little bit of the guy next to me and all that. And then they could move forward even though arrows were raining down on them in massive numbers. But those arrows would hit those shields and not penetrate because they would not break ranks. They would stay perfectly close to one another. We have a we have a our motto around this church is we're family. And believe me, in the days to come, that's going to be tested. Amen. And we're going to need it. Yes. God gave us each other. Yes. Amen. And we are, we are part of one another. We are 
bricks, not bricks, we're stones, living stones in the wall. Bricks are mixtures, we're not mixtures. Amen. And in Galatians 6.10, he says that. He said, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Now, yes, that comes on the heels of a statement about supporting the ministry, but I think that means all people. Exactly what it says. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17 from the NAS. Instruct those who are rich in this present world. Everybody say, that's me. Because compared to the vast majority of the people on this planet, we're wealthy. Every last one of us. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. There is a proverb, and I don't know the address of it, but it says... The rich, you know, the poor man utters supplications, but the rich man answers roughly. Because the rich man is arrogant and doesn't care. Because in his mind, his wealth is his high defensive wall. But it says that's only in his own imagination. We are going to see and are already beginning to see God deal with rich elite, arrogant people. And you ain't seen nothing yet. All right. And, you know, so it goes on to say, don't be conceited or fix your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us. There it is again. Supplies. We must be supplied. We have to continually be Supplied. Everybody's, none of us is independent. None of us can, and you know what? Maybe God wants to use somebody to help your supply for maybe you don't necessarily like them all that well. Or maybe God wants to use you to be a fountain of blessing into the life of somebody with whom you disagree. No, 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 no. Richly supplies us. How does he supply us? Sparingly? No. Richly supplies us with all things to what? Enjoy. You know, some people think, well, God's just going to give you whatever you need, not a bit more than that. That's not enjoyment. Amen. Pastor Kevin, you really don't need that Corvette. No. But Doc gave it to me, so I'm going to drive it. He's back there going, after I get mine. (laughs) Look at this. He goes on to say, um, all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be, there's that word again, generous and ready to share. God, did you know that when we're generous and when we do things like that, that it gets God's attention? Prove it to you. Acts 10.4. And fixing his gaze. This was Cornelius, the centurion, who was a God-fearer. He wasn't a proselyte. He was a God-fearer. And he's praying at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And all at once, an angel appears to him. And being greatly startled and everything. And fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms, charitable giving, have ascended as a memorial before God. 
And it's not just Cornelius who's giving ascends before God. You can rest assured everything you've ever done has ascended before God. How about Luke chapter 7 verse 2 and following. And a centurion slave who was hardly highly regarded by him was sick and about to die. And when he heard he the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. And when they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him saying, he is worthy for you to grant this to him. Now I want you to get a hold of this. This guy's not Jewish. He again is a God-fearer. He is what, you know, he is a, a Gentile who though not having received circumcision is, is committed to Yahweh, the God of Israel, and not only committed, how do we know he was committed? He says he loves our nation. How do we know he loved our nation? It was he who built our synagogue. And for anybody who was this, what was the centurion? He was a soldier, an officer in charge of a hundred men. A lot of people say, well, would a company commander have the kind of money to do that? Many Roman officers were from wealthy families and actually purchased their commissions. And this man was not afraid to spend and be spent for the people. His eye was generous. Everybody say amen. Then there's Paul saying to the Philippians, the church that got it, but I've received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, here it is, a fragrant aroma, an, accept, an acceptable sacrifice. He is using Old Testament language because whenever the burnt offering, the Ola would be offered, it would be wholly consumed. And would it was a sweet, a sweet savor, a fragrant aroma offering ascending before God. And the Jews would see God going, yes, that is good. And he's saying, your giving, your generosity has ascended before the Lord as a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing. Everybody say, well-pleasing. In fact, when he was in Acts chapter 20, when he was talking, you know, his parting words to the uh, elders of the church at Ephesus, Acts 20 and 35, he quotes Jesus. And this is the only place we have any record of Jesus saying this because it's not in the Gospels. He said, Paul said, and everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed or blessed to give than to receive. In other words, it's more profitable to give than to receive. Every one of those things that I just read you from, you know, in 1 Timothy, Acts chapter 10, Luke chapter 7, Philippians 4, there followed a response from God that was a reward. It was, a, it was, a, it was it, in fact, a promise. Uh, in Galatians 6, 9, after Galatians, which is before Galatians 6.10, obviously, let it, when we have opportunity. He said, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time, at the proper season, we will reap if we do not grow weary. Amen. 
By the way, proper season, proper time, that is not eternity. That's beforehand. All right? And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, after he says, instruct them, verse 18, to be rich in good works and generous and ready to share. Look at verse 19. Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Imagine the rich man who thinks of his wealth as being his bulwark, his high defensive wall. What Paul is saying here is that is that foundation that cannot be moved. That's what we do when we walk in generosity. Amen. Philippians 4.19 And my God will supply all. How many? All your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Man, that's good preaching, Pastor. Hallelujah. We, it's, I'm telling you, God has called us to be blessers. He's called us to be a source. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, coming back to verse, chapter 9 again. And God is able to make all grace do what? Abound to you. Everybody say abound. abound. I love that word abound. Yes. It means more than enough. Amen. My cup runneth over. Hallelujah. So to you, so that always, everybody say always. always. Having all sufficiency in everything. Everything. Not just in money. Are you with me here? Yes. Having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance. I love the sound of that word. For every good deed, as it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich. Hallelujah. Hoorah. In everything. For all liberality, which through, well, what if, what if, what if, what if food goes to four and five and six times? God has already proven that he can multiply oil. He can multiply flour. He can multiply corn. He can multiply, you know, the thing of it is, Lord, you know, I'm tired of pancakes. Could you do burgers? Yes. I remember a Catholic priest talking about they were handing out food. I, man, I heard this years and years ago. He was a, a charismatic Catholic, Roman Catholic priest. Filled with the Spirit. Believed in, you know, tongue talking. Believed in the gifts of the Spirit and everything. And I think it was in Laredo. Uh, Laredo, Texas. And his parish would feed, if, it's, if that's where it was, there was, um, you know, there's, there is a, a, a town on the other side of the border you know, the thing that used to exist, the border. And on the other side of, of the border where the, the, the Mexican people were greatly impoverished and there was a dump there and a lot of people lived in the dump. And these little children were going, were, were you know, sorting through the scraps in the dump. And that was, that was what they had to eat. And that's very dangerous, not because of poisoning and everything. It's because if they don't get the right, when, when you're a child like that, if you don't get proper nutrition and protein and things like that, you know, your, your mental development will be uh, impaired. 
And so what they would do is they did a food drive and they would load up the truck and they would go with this truck into this dump and they would start handing out food to the people. And more than he said, the first time it ever happened, he said, when they put the thing up and then people that lived there in the dump saw what was going to happen. He said, all at once, the numbers just were unmanageable almost. He said, like that. And he said, one of his parishioners looked at him and said, Father, we don't have anywhere near enough food for all these people. And he said, well, just start handing it out. And he said, they started handing it out as planned. And he said, it kept coming and 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 kept coming. And he said, his people were in tears because they knew what was going on. They knew that somehow God was multiplying the food and that they were handing out way more food than they had bought, way more food than they had brought. And they're just sobbing when they're handing these people are looking at them like, okay, because they didn't know. And he said that happened time and time and time again. He's the same God today as he was for the feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000, or all the way back when God just took a handful of, of barley loaves and, 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 you know, under Elisha, they went out and cut up a bunch of gourds and boiled them and started to eat them. And, oh, master, there's death in the pot. Okay, when you're hunting morels, don't count on that to work if you grab the wrong kind of mushroom, okay? Grace, abundance, I love that. I love the sound of that. Look at this. In everything for all, you will be enriched, made rich. In everything for all, liberality. There's that same word used over in Matthew 6.22. Which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Hallelujah. For the ministry of this service not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. That's right. God wants to so bless you that you're blessing other people and you're blessing them to the point that they're blessing family members who don't even know Jesus and they're finding out from where it's coming. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ for the liberality. There's that word again. Matthew 6, 22, same word of your contribution to them all. A continual flow. Does anybody in here believe that our God is the source of a limitless supply. Let's say that. My God is my source and the source of a limitless supply. I mean, that'll give you a brain cramp. Amen. If our musicians would come. Okay. God has made his method quite clear. What is his method? He flows through his people. He will supernaturally provide for you. And he will expect you to bless others with it. That's the path of righteousness. 
in this area. That's, you know, when he says he will guide me in the paths of righteousness, but that's a path of righteousness. Is that every, the things that come into my hand, not all of it's for me. Some of it keeps going. Everybody say amen. amen. A continuous flow. Damming it up will only lead to sta- sta- uh, stag- stagnation. Begin to see yourself as a fountain of blessing. Always looking for an opportunity to be a blessing. An opportunity to sow. And again, not just monetarily. Sometimes it's a word in due season. Sometimes it's a gift that you might give somebody. Don't wait until you're a millionaire. Because you'll never get there if you do. Well, I don't know the way inflation sitting. You might have to be a millionaire just to be able to go to price chopper. But the fact is, don't we begin being faithful with what you've got. Yes, yes. Because God loves to start small and build. Uh, you know, I talk about how that back when, before we went to jail, Bill Warris was our county executive here in Jackson County. And they had Arbor Day in the churches. And they gave all the little kids uh, a uh, pine sapling, seedling. It had sprouted and it had a little root on it like this. And a little tree. The whole thing was about this big. And it was in a little plastic bag that had a little bit of moisture in it. And they gave them to all the kids. And what grade was Christian in? Second or maybe third grade was going to Glendale at the time and they gave them to all the kids and he brought it home and it says on there this is you know happy Arbor Day this is a a seedling and everything your friend Bill Warris and so he said can we plant it can we plant it and I said okay so we went out into the yard picked a place dug a little hole put that little seedling in there and covered up like this and put some water on it And I mowed around that thing all summer long. And then the next year came. And I was starting to mow around. But then interest rates began to drop. The people who owned the house. It was a rental house. And we were saying, we're going to be selling. You know, you talk about high interest rates. Mortgages were trading at 18%. This was back in Paul Volcker's day. And he said, he had got this guy had gotten married. This was his house. He had moved in with his new wife into that house. We're renting this one out. Nobody was going to buy it at 18 percent. Well, you know, now interest rates are dropping like a rock and, you know, they're interested in selling it. He said, are you interested in buying it? And I looked at Kathy. I said, are you interested in buying it? And she said, uh, uh, OK. And so I'm out there mowing the lawn. No, we're going to. And I thought, look at that stupid little tree. It looks just like it did. A little over a year ago when I planted it. And so I grabbed a hold of it and yanked it. And when I did, a root that long came out of the ground. No, I didn't see anything happening above the surface. But below the surface, there was a lot going on. Maybe that's what you're looking at your life going, I don't see anything, Lord. What are you doing? You don't see it all. You don't see it all. It's all about the heart. That's the root of it. And you've got to be, you've got to see yourself. And, you got, and no matter what the news, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the talking heads say, even if it's true, even if it's true, you know, you are and I are to speak 
what God says. Amen. We, we are to say, God, you are making me a major blessing. I thank you, Father, Psalm 512. You are surrounding me with favor as with a shield. Lord, you have me where I'm supposed to be at the time I'm supposed to be there with the right thing in my hand and the right word on my lips. People love me, Lord. Even people that are surly and nasty because you're surrounding me with favor. They don't even know why they love me. They don't even know why they do stuff for me. They're clueless, but it doesn't matter if they're clueless. You are supplying all of my needs, but I don't feel that way. I'm looking at my chair. You know what? It doesn't matter what you feel. I have discovered that our Father loves to move things around and to change the chessboard so that about the time you think you know the way He's going to do it, He does something else just to prove that He's God and you're not. Or I'm not. Amen. My God is supplying all of my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When I look over the crowds of the last two or three years, one of the things I have to, I, I quote Jonathan the son of Saul being Kish, when they were climbing up to, do, to deal with, when the Philistines said, come on up here, Jew boy, we're going to show you something. And he and his armor bearer waded through there and started such a slaughter that, the, that it, they could hear the sound of it in the Israeli, uh, Israelite camp. And they had to come, because, and it was a tremendous victory. But you remember what he said? God is not constrained. He told his armor bearer, God is not limited. He's not constrained to save by many or by few. Amen. You might want to memorize Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1, it's about 2 through 14. And speak it over your life. You know what? Nobody blessing your life is good, other than Jesus himself, is going to bless you because you're releasing your faith. Blessed am I in the city. Blessed am I in the field. Blessed is the offspring of my body, the offspring of my beast, the produce of my ground, the increase of my herd, and the young of my flock. Blessed is my basket and my store. I'm blessed when I'm coming in. Blessed when I'm going out. Blessed is that everything to which I put my hand. Blessed is my basket and my store. My enemy who rises up against me in one way is smitten before me. And he, though he comes out against me in one way, he flees before me in seven. And my God is exalting me above the people round about me. They see that I am called by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they are in awe. And you are blessing the offspring of my body, the offspring of my beast. The increase of my herd and the, and, the, and the young of my flock. You are opening for me your good storehouse of heavens and giving rain to my land in its season and blessing all the work of my hand. I am above only and not underneath the head and not the tail. I need only lend and have no need to borrow because I'm walking with you, Lord. I who take shelter in the Most High, Psalm 91. And the shadow of the dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. And I say to you, you are my refuge, God. You are my Yahweh, you are my God in whom I trust. For it is you who are delivering me from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. How many of you have read it in there? And though a thousand should fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, I only look upon it with my eyes. You are my I've got two verses out of order, but that's okay. You are your faithfulness is my shield and my high defensive wall. That's what bulwark means. See, the rich man thinks of his wealth as his high defensive wall. Moses said, 
Yahweh is our high defensive wall. Though a thousand should fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, it doesn't even come near to me. I only look upon it with my eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For I've made you my refuge, even you, El Elyon, the Most High God, my dwelling place. No evil, which includes accident, calamity, disaster, catastrophe, hurtful, injurious, crippling, debilitating, disfiguring, impoverishing thing befalls me. Neither does any plague, which includes malady, sickness, disease, in, you know, uh, any kind of imbalance, you know, thickening, thinning, itis. You know what itis is? It's inflammation. Dermatitis. Colitis. Whatever. I don't like itises. You know, debilitating, disfiguring, or uh, or uh, crippling disorder even draw my uh, near to my my body, because you have given your angels charge concerning me to guard me in all of my ways and to bear me up on their hands lest I dash my foot against the stone. And I am treading upon the young lion and the cobra, and the young lion and the and, well and the lion and the young lion and the cobra. I am trampling underfoot. You know what? You start saying that over yourself every day. You start saying that to yourself in the mirror. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. My God is supplying all of my needs. Hey, man of God. That's me talking into the mirror. Hey, man of God. Your God is supplying all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. But I don't feel it. I know. I don't either. Half the time. Okay, maybe a little more than half the time. But we don't quit. We keep saying what God said, knowing the day is coming. We're going to talk about it on Sunday. We're getting close to firefall. I am so looking forward to it, but I'm going to tell you, it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary, but that's okay. Because the world needs to know they have, they have a prayer without him. Amen. Those of you watching by internet, if you do not know Jesus of Nazareth as your Lord and your Savior, you need to get into the family of God, and I mean tonight or today, or this afternoon, whatever time it is that you're watching this. And the way you do that is to confess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Ask Him into your heart. Just say, Father, I believe that Jesus of Nazareth is your Son and that you have raised Him from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. You will pass from death into life. Oh, by the way, it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or how horrible a person you are or have been because Jesus said, no one who comes to me will I in any wise cast out. You are acceptable and loved in the eyes of God. Maybe your behavior isn't, but that's okay. Well, yeah, but I got to clean up my act. You let him worry about that. You let him change you. So far, your track record isn't very good. And I'm not picking on you. That's the way it is with all of us. And if you're a believer, this is not a time to be a casual Christian. This is not a time to be a cultural Christian. This isn't a time to be a lukewarm Christian, even though we've got lots of that. This is a time to be engaged. This is a time to be in, in the house of God, linked together in that phalanx that is the body of Christ. Moving forward through the hail of arrows into the victory provided by the Good Shepherd Himself. Hallelujah. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, 
on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.